having these fantasies that kind of titillate you and excite you, give you that excitement about life and being able to make those come to reality is just mind-blowing. I would have never thought this would be my life. The phone, guys. So you know how in the Halloween episode I talked about how I couldn't tell the difference between Ace and Jay's dicks? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I was fully sober at noon, and I couldn't tell the difference between Ace's dick, Jay's dick, or a fucking dildo. Oh, my God. <laughs> so you were Could skills. not tell the difference. Oh, my gosh. It's so crazy. No, there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with me. (laughs) I was going to say, like, in the right circumstances, maybe a slight muffle or something. I don't know if, like, I was blindfolded. I could tell their dicks or their voices apart. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. It really blew my mind. So. (laughs) Uh, All right. Anyway, (laughs) welcome everybody to another episode of Girls Gone Deep. We have another guest with us today, but first we'll introduce ourselves. I'm Elle. And I'm V. And today we have Brandy with us. Hello. The legend. We've heard (laughs) so much about her and now we're going to hear it from her little old mouth. I'm so happy to finally be here with you, ladies. <laughs> it's about time. Oh my so, god, 47 episodes, and you've listened mm-hmm. to every single one. I have. I'm your number one fan. <laughs> listener. Such a good <laughs> So Brandy is the duo of Brandy and DJ, and today we're really just going to talk about, you know, her experience through the lifestyle, through some BDSM kink stuff, subdom experiences, and then just kind of see where this rest of this conversation takes us. Because mm-hmm. I loved what you said, Brandy, when we were talking about, oh, what could you you know, bring to the podcast. And you were saying your kink is exploring fantasies and kinks and helping other people do the same. And that's something that you've really enjoyed about living the lifestyle. And I think, I don't know, that really resonated with me. So how do you feel like you've been able to explore your kinks with the DJ being in the lifestyle? Well, before we got into the lifestyle, there was this whole world that I hadn't explored. And as soon as we started playing with other couples and other people, we started unlocking more fantasies and I started doing more things I had never done before. And that kind of like constant state of everything being new and novel still hasn't really left us and Mm. hasn't left me. And I've started to realize that that's one of my favorite things about being in the lifestyle is that it's always spicy, Mm. always new, always accomplishing fantasies, discovering new things that I want to happen that are my fantasies. Like you didn't even know were a fantasy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times, you know, there's been that moment of like, what, what is that? (laughs) I've never even heard of that. For example, did you know what 
Nuru was? Because I remember I you did guys not were part know. of like it was six of you, right? That at Hito mm-hmm. you went off and did and I'm sure like Ace and Jess were just like, hey, we have this thing. And you were like, what? Right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a perfect example. And actually, I think it was almost a year before we were at the Dallas couple's house where they talked about Nuru and they brought it up that they had it. I had never heard of it. So they threw up Nuru porn. So we were watching the Nuru porn. For some reason, we didn't get it out. I guess it seemed like too much of a project that night or something. Um, So that's the first time that I'd heard of it. And I kind of forgot about it until Jess brought it up. And I was like, oh my gosh, I actually do know what that is. And I would love to do it. And I just cannot believe she brought that tojito. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a little involved. And t- to do that in her room on BDSM night, like I never would have thought on BDSM night, I would have unlocked another fantasy, another mm. world of kink. Yes, that's so cool. So so when you say that you, since you've been in the lifestyle, it's still really spicy. How long have you and DJ been in it together now? Like how many years? I would say 10 years, about the same length of our relationship, just a little less. Um, I think when we both met, we were both getting out of relationships. And I think that we weren't expecting to be in a long-term relationship and eventually get married and everything. And I didn't have objectives going into it, but um, I had an idea of what I wanted in my next partner. And I definitely wanted that partner to be kinky. And I definitely wanted that partner to be open to having threesomes or more sums because it's something I always wanted. And my ex-boyfriend was not into it at all. I'd asked, tried to make it happen, and he wasn't into it. And so I started testing the waters with DJ um, when we met. I found out he was kinky right away from a few different things, including the fact that he had ties on his bed, um, <laughs> like to restrain me. Jackpot. And, yeah, I was like... <laughs> bingo. And then um, I had a girlfriend come out with us one night and I kind of tested the waters with with him and her. And we didn't have a threesome that night. We did eventually, but um, I could tell that he was totally open to kissing another girl or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, And so our first lifestyle experience was about six months after we met after we started dating and it was a five sum. Oh, that's jumping right in. What were the yeah. circumstances? It was New Year's Eve after party back at DJ's condo and one thing led to another. There was another guy and two girls and DJ and myself. Had you ever had a five sum before? No, I had never had a sexual experience with more than one person before Mm. that. I always wanted to, but as I said, I was in a committed relationship for four years prior and he wasn't interested. Well, I just find that in a situation like that, if it hasn't been kind of brought up beforehand, I feel like there are two circumstances that could happen for a five-some or a threesome or whatever-some to come about. It's either like just 
everyone magically is on the same page and everyone just starts getting real and maybe you're like fucked up or something like that and everyone just starts being sloppy and making out with each other or it's like communication happens and like you have to kind of like set the groundwork and stuff like that so do you remember kind of how it came about yeah it was it was very organic you could feel the energy was heading in that direction. And I think DJ started eating me out (laughs) in front of everyone. And instead of being weirded out, everyone just joined in and started kissing and touching each other from that point forward. And we were very young. Um, You know, this was almost 10 years ago to the date. And so we were very, very young. I was in my very, very early 20s. So this was super exploratory for all of us. Um, I dated girls in college. I don't like, I'm more pansexual as my identity. So I've always been into girls and guys. And so this is perfect because I couldn't imagine a life where I couldn't have everything. Mm -hmm. But um, there was a girl there and she was like, oh, can I eat you out? I've never eaten a girl out before. So it was very much like playing and exploring too. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, it's interesting thinking about the times of my early twenties was when I was in college, we had roommates and we shared spaces together that frequently we were always having open sex in front of each other in the same room and all of that. So that still carried on for me in my early twenties. So I love that yours happen as organically as like some of my experiences too. You know, one thing that you had mentioned is that you realized that DJ was kinky because of his, his straps. And one thing that I've learned about both of you over these years is that you're both submissive in mm-hmm. the bedroom. You know, that is your preference. And so, you know, what is seems to be your dynamic in the bedroom? If both of you are submissives, do you guys share a role as doms? Is it just more, it doesn't yeah, really how does that around. work? Power, <laughs> you know, like how do you balance that? That's a really good question. Um, I think the straps on his bed might have led me on a little bit. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He's like, those are actually for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they were. Yeah, we're both submissive in nature. I've always had a kink for BDSM as long as I knew what it was. Um, Just like this, not aggressive, but domineering, confident um, type of person who knows what they want and is going to have their way with you. And I'm a very, I love pleasing people. And so I just want to give the person what they want. And mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. even better if they know exactly what they want and they want to tell me. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of dumb of my fantasy um, that I've always been attracted to in books that I've read or shows and movies and whatnot. Um, and so, yes, I am very submissive and so is my husband. So we definitely switch for each other. You have to. And we can, but we also seek it out in other people, which is the beauty of the lifestyle, mm-hmm. is that we have this at our disposal. And it's not like we're trying to be something. We're not at the core of it. We're, we definitely can have kinky sex together. And, you know, if, if DJ is like, I want you to dom me tonight, I will and vice versa. But 
I think the ultimate fantasy for us both is to be domed together by a female. Mm. So you had an experience like that before, right? Yeah, we've had a few experiences like that. Sorry, can I just say something? When you just shared that fantasy, it just reminded me of, I was just at House of Yes with Holly like two weeks ago or something, and it was their House of Love party, and there were these women, there were three women doming a man, and he had a blindfold on. And you can't take pictures in there or anything like that. But Holly and I were like, oh my God, we were like fantasizing about, we were like, oh my God, we want to do this to the DJ. You, me, and Brandy need to, like, we could be those three girls and like, He's the third guy. Yes, please. But yes, you know please. What? If you want to, you can, you can have a blindfold on too, baby. And we'll just be two on two. We definitely need to make that happen, please. Yeah. But I, I think it's also interesting, something else that came up when you were talking is if you guys had met and you were not interested in – being open, having your relationship be open, it might have at some point become a deal breaker or a a real issue in your sex life if you, yes, you switch for each other. That's awesome. But, you know, if you really fantasize about a very dominant man doming you and you couldn't ever get that, I think that really... I think that that was an issue in my marriage and I couldn't articulate it then. But looking back now, I think that I didn't know what I wanted sexually and what I was getting was not what I wanted. And when I did start bringing up, you know, having a threesome or something, he shut it down and he couldn't handle it. And so, you know, for me, I'm like, wait, is this the sex I'm having for the rest of my life? But like, because you're open, because we're in the lifestyle, it's not a deal breaker if your partner doesn't give you everything you want in the bedroom, you know, and right? everything else. And I don't think anybody's life. partner could give them a hundred percent either. Yeah, totally. it's a fa- that's a fantasy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm sorry, I interrupted your question. Oh too, no, no, no. So. Uh, what you? Were, what were you just saying? Well, you were um, talking about your fantasy was that. Oh, right, a female dom the both of you together. And then I remember you had, you would, you would start to tell an experience about that. You had hired a dom before. Can you go into that? I wouldn't use the word hire because we've, I've actually never hired a dom. Okay. Never paid for Um, a dominatrix. I, when I, that horrible life card, never paid for sex or whatever, I can never drink to the proverbial drink. I can. Um, I've yeah, I know you can. Because yeah. you live in New York City. <laughs> I, when I first discovered the scene here um, through going to the fetish ball, um, I joined FetLife and it's there's no organized system for hiring doms like there is in New York City. You know, you have these dungeon clubs and it's just, it's a different beast there. Smaller, smaller cities and towns, you know, mm-hmm. it's a little different. But um, yeah, so when we first got into the lifestyle, you know, it, it started kind of playing with friends as I think it is for a lot of people. And um, our one and only experience being on a dating app 
or, or website, if you will, the only person we found was a female dom. And since then, we haven't gotten back on an app or website or anything because we started just growing our community organically. Um, but I want to say we saw her for like six months or so, um, mm. multiple times over the course of a few months, and and we got somewhat close. You know, I'd have we'd have her over for dinner, and then we'd play so much so that. And I actually sent it to you, didn't I? The fan fiction she wrote about us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, she wrote fan fiction, yes. <laughs> A whole entire story about the situation. So she dommed the two of you? Yes, together. Wow. What was that like? Can you walk us through like one of the experiences? Or should we like just pull up the fan fiction and read that and then we'll know exactly how it was? <laughs> I probably should have reread reread that because it was probably like eight years ago at this point. Um, but I do remember talking about scenes about what we were going to do and, you know, a lot of telling us what to do. Oh, Brandy, you do this to the DJ or moving us around, telling us what to do. The DJ isn't into impact play so much. We're both, neither of us are really into impact play. I definitely like a spank here or there. I really like rough sex, but we're not huge into taking out different floggers and and whips and stuff and, and making it hurt in that respect. So it was definitely more like control. I think what DJ and I both really like is someone to be in control, telling us what to do. Um, it's probably things we want to do, but acting like we don't want to do it. Blindfolds, surprises when you're blindfolded, um, that sort of sensual aspect of BDSM, less of the pain. Yeah, when I hired a dom, um, similarly, she we would talk about it beforehand and kind of like set up the scene. I actually brought up my old messages with her before I hired her. And she or I had hired her and we knew we were gonna see each other. And so she was like, I'll send you a brief questionnaire to fill out. Um, so she asks me, you know, what are your kinks and what are your fetishes? What have you always wanted to try? I don't judge. What are your hard limits, soft limits? This was an interesting one. What is the last book you read? <laughs> wow. Um, that's, that's the best question for you. On yeah. Questionnaire. <laughs> I'm like, well, you just hit my kink. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what drew you to my profile and what makes you a good sub? Which really made me think those last couple, I was like, oh my God, like what does make me a good sub and what did draw me to her profile over someone else? And so we like went back and forth on a couple of these things. And then she was able to kind of curate a scene that catered to what I really liked, which was impact play. And I, my Dom at the time, he came and he watched. And, um, when I got there, like, you know, she basically, she was really friendly and nice. And then like, we kind of just like switched. It was like, okay, are we ready? And like, she starts like tying me up in a little bit of Shibari and we used an Alexander cross. And she also pegged me while I was looking in his eyes. And like, if I broke eye contact and if I didn't say thank you, I would be punished. I don't remember what the punishment was because if I get spanked. That's not a punishment for me. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, 
And then the aftercare was really nice because I laid there like on both of their laps and she kind of like massaged my ass and we just like talked and debriefed a little bit. Did you guys have that with the woman who dommed you? Aftercare and debriefing and stuff? Yes, yes. It, you know, always ended in cuddling on the bed and just touching and talking. Yeah, it just fascinates me, you know, when I think about having these BDSM experiences with people, I find it to be a more intimate connection. I like to know that person. It's more of like that when you guys talk about, especially UV, about being demisexual, for me, in, for, in order for me to enjoy BDSM, it's a demisexual type of experience for me. Mm-hmm. And then to have these like, I'm hiring somebody to come in for a moment in time and for it to be this one cultured experience is, it sounds so interesting to me. It's hard for me to grasp and be able, I mean, I've obviously never been in it, but I, I find it hard for me to put myself in that position where I could truly let go, truly experience and truly be. And so like when you met your Dom, did you meet beforehand over zoom or in person as like an introductory connection or you met her virtually like on the computer through messaging and then she just showed up at your house and that was when the experience happened yeah so the way that i found out that i like impact play is this guy who i I think i've called him the german in the past He's the one who kind of opened my eyes to sex parties and dungeons and stuff in New York. And this one night that we had together, he just looked on FetLife, saw what events were happening, took me to this dungeon. We go in and it was my first time seeing an Alexander Cross and wax play and electro play and suspension in the corner. And there was this one gorgeous woman who was spanking someone against a wall. And I like looked and we just like stood there and like watched for a while. And, you know, like we're kind of turning each other on watching. And he was like, you can go ask her to do it to you, you know? And I was like, I can? Oh my God. And so I went over and I was like, I've never done this before. And she was amazing. Her name was Susan Calvin. She, I don't think she's practicing anymore as a dom because I cannot find her anywhere. And mm. when I just looked at our old messages, like she, her, her Instagram is taken down. And I saw her at a couple of different, uh, events in the city. And then I reached out to her and I was like, Hey, do you remember me? I'd love to hire you. And so that's how it happened. So I did meet her. I did know her. relatively know her. Yeah. But that's interesting. That need for demisexuality for me when it comes to, I want to say sex, sex. (laughs) Um, And then with BDSM, I'm not sure that it's as much there for me, which is interesting. Yeah. And so Brandy, for you, did you have an initial like meeting with your dom to like feel her out first or was it she came over and that was it? We totally did. We met for drinks before. Um, and I think it was going to be just drinks, but we had, we got along so well and we instantly had a connection and we went to drinks at the bar that was in our building at the time. So we, (laughs) we offered and I'm, I'm pretty positive that we had our first session that night. Yeah. See, that's amazing. That connection when it just flows like that. I I do really like connecting with people before 
I play with them as well. But sometimes you can have a connection even in just an evening or a couple hours Mm -hmm. that you already feel safe. We met someone over the summer who was another female dominatrix, and we'd only met that night. Um, We got picked up at a club and we went back to her place and she took out her chest of drawers with different sorts of BDSM tools and she took out this Swarovski crystal collar slash harness for me. Um, It had this piece that went down my front and back so you could connect different body parts or things to it. Um, And as she was, yeah, she was putting it on me. She was tying it kind of tight around my neck. She was right behind me and like I could feel the breath, her breath on the back of my neck. Mm -hmm. And she whispered in my ear, thank you for trusting me. And it was so hot. And I I did just meet her that night. So there was a part of me that was like, this could be a really bad idea. Just going back to a stranger's house and (laughs) completely restrain me. Yeah, there's always a little bit of risk, but I think at the end of the day, you kind of have a good, like, I don't know, we have senses of people and and an understanding of what's going on, but that sounds super hot. Well, and I find hearing you talk about this, it reminds me of experiences that I've had with female doms versus male doms. Hmm. And I think there is something about female doms that really put me at ease and I can trust them quicker. Do you feel the same way? I mean, for me, I think I resonate more and connect better with females in some scenarios. So yeah, I would agree. I think that um, I have a harder time trusting male doms and I don't know, it has, for me, that's where that demisexual side has to come in in order for me to feel comfortable to let go. There's like an innate trust that I have in women Mm -hmm. quicker than with men. Yeah. I think I agree with Elle. Um, if I had to just pick someone to trust without having much time to get to know them, I would definitely pick a female. But some males also, I can instantly have a connection with, instantly feel their soul or feel comfortable around them. And there's a lot of different things at play. You know, our small time talking, even if they look or remind me of someone that I know and love, sometimes <laughs> that just instantly breaks down barriers and makes me want to trust them more. Yeah. I was just thinking of City of Gods, which I talked about on a previous episode when my friends and I, we were at, (laughs) thanks to your recommendation, Brandy, we went to Glamcocks and it was amazing. And over in the corner, um, we got flogged and electroplay and there was Shibari. And just thinking of that experience, of course, we're in a room with a ton of people. Like, so it's not that really intimate, really intense BDSM experience. But so the woman who did electroplay, she did just have this this openness and um, ease about her that made me trust her right away. Um, But then with the Alexander Cross and the impact play, it was a man. And I remember he just, there was something about him that was soft in his soul and his aura that made me feel very comfortable off the bat. And thinking about that, a lot of the best doms that I've met have been men who have been so in touch with their feminine sides. Mm. Do you agree with that? 
I mean, you're resonating more with daddy doms than is that style of an approach as opposed to a reprimanding, I don't want to use the word mean, but just more domineering. Is that the right word? I'm not finding the right words, but that makes a lot of sense that I also would agree with you that male doms that I have felt more comfortable with have been, like you said, more softer or more in touch with the feminine side and more daddy dom like. For me, it's both. Um, it really just depends on the person and the personality. Yeah. I do find that female doms take, this is a huge generalization, but take it more seriously. Whereas with male doms and me being a female, sometimes I think the dom is just a guise to have sex. And sometimes that's not what the experience is supposed to be. And so when you start to feel like getting sexual, if you're in that situation, you're like, oh, are you actually doming me? Are you, are you just trying to sleep with me? Yeah. And that, that, and there are some guys in the, in the BDSM scene that kind of use that as a way to have sex with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what f- we were just had a podcast with physics on the last episode who was talking about how people can use BDSM in just the wrong way and and inappropriately. And you're right. Like that could certainly happen. I've never, I don't think I've ever experienced one like that, but then again, I'm very young in my experiences with doms. Yeah. Um, I want to hear a little bit about the fetish ball. So can you tell us about that? Yeah. So in DC, there is an annual fetish ball every year that DJ and I have been going to for probably eight years. So one of our girlfriends, who is also a female dominatrix, took us to our first one. <laughs> I had, believe it or not, no outfits to wear, which is crazy because yes. now I have all the outfits to wear. So she came over early. She brought so many things over for me and another girlfriend to try on and wear. So I wound up going to the first fetish ball wearing those super thigh high, super platform stiletto boots that lace up. Like it took probably 10, 15 minutes for her to lace them onto my legs. And so I was wearing one of her full on outfits that Mm. she sees clients in. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. I've never, I felt like a different person. (laughs) Yeah. It's like transformation. Yeah. And the venue that it's held in every year though in DC is like five floors. So there are a lot of stairs, which was a little difficult in those boots, but totally worth it. So I wish there was more events like this. And there is now because we do finally have a dungeon in DC. Um, Mm. They used to be in Baltimore. So it was just too far to go, but they are one of the big sponsors for the annual fetish ball. So a lot of their doms are coming to do these demonstrations or exhibitions and they're some of the big organizers. It's called the crucible. Oh, cool. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. You said like exhibitions and shows. So is it more of a display of performances or is it also some educational classes? And then can you also participate? Like what, what is it like to walk through each of those floors and what are you seeing and and what's the experience like? 
mm. all of the things. It is incredible <laughs> because, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have opinions about what they think DC is like, and there is definitely that side of DC. But for this one night of year, downtown DC, there's a line to get into this club that's normally just a normal club, except everybody in line is wearing latex and harnesses, some gimps, mm. whatnot. And you walk <laughs> in and there's amazing DJs playing kind of industrial goth rock. Like just, it's such a vibe. And the main floor is kind of a dance floor. Um, they do have a big stage. So they do have some sort of like fire performances and whatnot throughout the evening. And at midnight, there is a fetish fashion show, which is one of my favorite events of Ooh. the evening. So they have just a runway show with the latest in fetish fashion and fetish designers and whatnot. That's and it's light play. I don't think you can actually have sex at this event, uh, but you can definitely participate in the different exhibitions that they have. So there's like four floors and there are, there's an Alexandra cross, there's various apparatuses that you can get tied to and flogged or whipped and whatnot. There is knife play, fire play, electro play, anything you could imagine they have. And there they have professional doms manning the stations. So you can ask them to give you a taste of whatever it is that they're manning, mm -hmm. or you can ask for you and your partner to use and they'll just supervise a little bit, mm -hmm. make sure everything's safe. There's a lot of one-on-one -on -one consent talks when you're doing these things too, but it is totally an exhibition because there are hundreds of people that go to this event and there's so many people on every floor and it's like one or two steps up all the exhibitions. So you're kind of on display a bit and people are watching. I wanted to go this year with you guys, but for some reason we just like didn't make it happen. And, so we didn't uh, go this year. Unfortunately, it was one of the first years we've missed. But instead of going to the DC fetish ball this year, we went to the LA fetish ball over the summer. So I guess it was a substitute without us knowing that we wouldn't go to the DC fetish ball. Um, so is this the same organization, the same people in DC throw it in LA? And nope, then New, New York totally has different. one too, right? Mm -hmm. We've also been to the one in New York too. Totally yeah. all different organizations, but believe it or not, the same DJs because we <laughs> met the same DJ that we met at the DC fetish ball and had got so to catch funny. up and have a conversation with him and whatnot. And now I'm on his mailing list. So he emails every quarter his dates and he does fetish balls all over the world that's his job is DJing these fetish events and they're all there's no one organization they're all pretty much put on by the dungeons and fetish clubs in those cities so there was a couple different dungeons that threw the LA fetish ball and I could be mistaken on the year but it was an anniversary it was a milestone anniversary it was 20th or 25th this Year. Oh my gosh, wow. The one we went to. So I know I remember one was called the Tortured Garden. That was one of the dungeons in LA that put on the, the fetish ball. I can't remember what the other ones were, but that was a totally different experience. Torture Garden was a party in London when I was there as an au pair when I was 22 years old. And I remember I wanted to go, but I didn't have anybody to go with. And 
Oh, imagine if I had just done that instead of gone going to Italy and moving. Oh my God. <laughs> For as wild as my life was when I was 22 years old, if I saw something called Torture Garden, I would have ran the other way. <laughs> I, I was so interested in going. That's so wild. I will say the thing about the fetish ball is in, in every city's fetish ball that I've been to, it is a celebration for the kink community. It's really beautiful. They have exhibitions and they have lots of play. And in LA, it was even, it was much bigger and more wild. And, but you can tell that all these people, even though I didn't know these people, I'm not in the LA community, they were all celebrating themselves and their culture. And it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. So what does this do for you? What do you get out of exploring this? I think it's just another facet of of life. As I said, or I have said this, but Leah said this on your podcast. Um, She quoted me, but I always say this because it feels like we've unlocked this secret level to life. Mm -hmm. Not only that we get to have all of these experiences, but that we are more in touch with our own desires and fantasies through this lifestyle and to be able to explore those and explore and find out, yes, this is for me or no, this is not for me. And I think that having these fantasies that kind of titillate you and excite you, give you that excitement about life and being able to make those come to reality is just mind blowing. I would have never thought this would be my life. Yeah. When you, when you talk about like unleashing, you know, it's this world of curiosity and play. There's always that level of vulnerability and that is like, puts you on the edge of your seat of, of like excitement. Like, what is this going to be like? And that pushes boundaries and gets you to like, learn about yourself on different sides of different experiences. And so I know for you in your day-to-day job, you are, you're a boss bitch in your job, you know, where you currently work on your day-to-day. So being, do you feel like that plays into your desire for being a submissive? I think that is something that I've heard from other people as well. I think that's a common a commonality among subs. Not not all. Some are submissive in their lives and they're submissive in the bedroom, but that sort of I I'm a control freak. I control everything in my life for better or for worse. I manage a team of people at work. I have a very serious job. I am very type A and more I don't want to use the word aggressive, but tenacious, assertive, tenacious in all other aspects of my life, making plans mm-hmm. and whatnot. I am a, yeah. I'm the planner. I'm yes. organizing events. I am executing constantly. And so maybe it's just natural that I fell into this role where sexually in the bedroom, I want to be a pleaser and I want to do what the other person wants to do. I do everything the opposite in all other facets of my life. So I do think that has something to do with it for sure. Yeah, for sure. So I want to switch gears a little bit because I'm so curious to understand your development through this lifestyle. And I know that 
you know, you've been in the lifestyle for 10 years, you have these BDSM experiences and, you know, you have experience also working with a sex therapist. And I'm wondering if working with a sex therapist, has that opened up your kinks or wanted you to explore more or any kind of growth or development in your sexuality using a sex therapist? I definitely have seen growth. Um, So I started seeing a sex therapist after my first Hito in 2020. It was unrelated to Hito, but it just, that happens to be a really good marker of the date. Um, In general, when it comes to the lifestyle and sex, I found myself to be submissive to a passive extent. So yes, I like being submissive, but am I being submissive or am I being passive? And finding it hard to approach people, new people. And so I think going to Hito, that was such a big experience where I met a lot of new people. And I found it difficult to share my feelings about people with them. Like, I really like you. I think you're hot. Would you like to go play? Those things that don't sound very difficult were super difficult for me and had been for a really, really long time. And when it came to having experiences with people that weren't my really close friends, I would get shy about my needs and wants and desires and So I sought this sex therapist in hopes that I could work through that and figure out why I felt like this and why I found it so difficult to approach people. And I had this goal that I would go back to Hito in 2023 after having almost a year of seeing this therapist and be the person that I wanted to be. So Mm -hmm. still the same person. I didn't want to change anything intrinsically about myself. Like I don't want to make myself more dominant. That's just not who I am. And that's not what I want to be. But I did want to be less passive. If I wanted to have sex, if I wanted to have sex with someone, I wanted to be able to make that actually happen and not just be like, "Mm." yeah, yeah. That's really interesting too, though, that those two words and thinking about them because I've never really given that a lot of thought. Like, am I being passive or am I being submissive? Because I think also you can be very active as a submissive, right? Oh, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And submissives have all the control. Yeah. Yeah. They do. And it just made me think of an experience about um, when I was talking to him about Hito this year, and he described like an afternoon where the two of you, M and Brandy, you guys were talking. And M also is not one to always be the initiator or the aggressor in certain scenarios, but you guys had went off and played separately. And I was like, wow, like, tell me how that happened. Like who initiated that? Like between the two of you, I was like, how did that even happen? You know? And so he had said that he was just chatting with you and you guys were having conversation and you started talking about how horny you were and you started opening up about your desire there. And so he picked up on your signal and was like, oh, well, do you want to do you want to go back and play with me now? Like we'll go to our room, blah, blah, blah. And you agreed and you guys went off and had fun. And that was, I thought that that was so awesome that, you know, the both of you hearing you now talk about your journey through a sex therapist and 
being more, I don't want to say aggressive, but being more open with your desires. And then I was proud of M. Yeah. Empowered. I was proud of M for picking up on that. And I was like, good job, babe. Like (laughs) you guys did it together. (laughs) Yeah. I would say I, I was very proud of myself. Um, you know, it's not a game going to Hito and meeting people and having sex isn't a game. And I wasn't trying to gamify the experience. I was just going with what felt right. And it's just such a hypersexual environment. For me personally, I just feel it's a dimension on its own where I feel totally different than I do in my normal life too. But still the first year, I still didn't ask anyone if they wanted to play. I only played with people who asked me. Whereas Mm -hmm. this year I did a lot of initiating and I was really proud of my performance. (laughs) And I think you were very successful. (laughs) I was very successful. I might have I, I was in competition with Elle on yeah. Conquest, that trip. <laughs> and Brandy totally surpassed me. <laughs> and I wasn't even trying to. I was just having the time of my life and just being super hedonistic and um, enjoying the power that I had just unlocked somehow that year. So I was shooting my shot. I was telling people I thought they were hot. I was asking people to come back with me to my room. Yes. (laughs) Well, so can I ask you what kind of work did you do with the therapist to get to that point? I think a lot of it was trying to figure out why I was the reason why you got to the point where you were. But I think I've been passive my whole life. And I think I also have a fear of rejection, which I think most people do as well. Mm. Um, And trying to retrain myself emotionally, um, you know, being rejected isn't a big deal. And as you've talked about in previous podcasts, it doesn't even necessarily mean that that person doesn't want to play with you, period. It just means not now. And I, got a few no's or I got a few not now's at Hito that later became yeses. Like, oh, mm. I don't play separately without my partner. So let's arrange for a time when DJ and yourself and me and my partner can all play together and whatnot. You know, they were never hard no's. They were always not right now. And we eventually had sex. So that made me feel happy or we eventually played. Um, so that put myself at ease, but <laughs> it didn't, wouldn't have even mattered if there were no's because that's not the point. The point is being comfortable and confident in yourself. And, you know, if you want something, you should try your best to go get it. Mm-hmm. Who cares what happens? Mm-hmm. You have one life to live. You have This experience is only going to happen once. And I really started to realize that this past year that I can't just let things pass by me because other people are just as shy or passive and whatnot. So my partner is too. He's submissive, but he also, he doesn't like to be the aggressor. Um, I think that, I'm not sure if this is a blanket statement for the lifestyle that the girls kind of lead the situation, lead the situation and make the arrangements. Mm -hmm. And so my partner would prefer that I do that, but I'm so passive. I can't get it done. And he's, he's also not very aggressive. So we oftentimes wind up just "Mm," the experience just 
passed you by. Yeah. It passed us. But But then I think, okay, so if we were hanging out with another couple or hanging out with another person, there was one to two other people in the room too. So they must've equally had the same issues with being a little too shy, not knowing how to initiate. Someone's got to do it. Mm -hmm. And even though I don't want it to be me, it has to be me because I'm willing to acknowledge that I'm willing to do the work and I see why. I need and want to do this because I don't want things to just pass by me because I was too shy to make something happen when everyone was into each other. Everyone wanted that, Mm -hmm. but no one could speak up. Mm -hmm. And so we just went our separate ways. Yeah. It's a frustrating anymore. Yeah. I love that. I love hearing you talk about this because that is how, you know, between M and I, I'm the one that is the one that We'll speak up. We'll ask the questions. We'll start the sexy conversation and and get people speaking about it, and then trying to gauge interest, and then like planning it out. You know, I remember I used to go up to M at certain parties and be like, "Hey, like, who are you interested in? Who do you like? Who are you hitting it off with? Is there anyone who you want to get to know more?" And we used to like powwow, you know, at these bigger events where there were strangers there that we wanted to get to know more, so that we could just kind of feel the vibe out. And it's kind of like working together as like my little wingman. Um, to get things flowing. And we've kind of both just kind of like took a step back from that kind of practice that we used to do. And now I'm finding that I'm getting sexually frustrated because I'm not like planning with him or just being in that playful wing woman, wing man kind of a state where we're chatting about it and getting excited and curious about who's in the room and what we want to do and what our desires are. So I have now just been re-inspired by you to like step back into that time is going to fly by. These moments are going to pass us by and we just need to capitalize on what we're feeling when we're feeling it and don't be so shy and just ask the question. <laughs> just ask yeah. the question. Yeah. It's, it's difficult though. It's, it's, it will never stop being difficult for me personally, but you know, there can't always be a fire starter in the equation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Someone else has to make the fire. (laughs) Little little fire starter. I, I find it easier to approach people by saying like, I'm thinking of what Ace said to me when Jay, me, Jess, and Ace ended up playing on the very last night at Hito. And he just said something and I can tell he pro- it probably didn't come naturally to him either. Mm-hmm. And it was something along the lines of, well, we both think you're both very cute. So if you're interested, let me know. You know, kind of like yeah. that where it's kind of like it's easy for someone to say, oh, thanks or whatever. Like if, if – and, and it's not a hard ask like would you like to play? So I don't need to hear the no. Like you know what I mean? I, I think yeah. that's a nice way to phrase it if you – really feel uncomfortable being super direct. Yeah. I have a similar experience with Ace 2 uh, at Hito in the pool where like a couple days had gone by and, and he just frankly was like, hey, like we really like the two of you. You know, we would love to spend more time with you. I don't know what you're doing the rest of the week, but like we're let me know if you're interested. And it, And that is just such a smooth, easy playful way to just say, Hey, I like you. If you like us back, let us know. And we'll, we'll have another chat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really kind way of doing it for yeah. yourself as the asker, but also for the other person because they don't have to respond right away. They're yes. not being put on the spot. 
Yeah, it's like yes. the seed is planted. I have done that. I've been in other couple situations where the female would come up to me and be like, hey, like, I really like your partner. Does your partner like me back? And kind of like, you know, the women talking together to see if there's interest or, you know, that I can say, yeah, he's so interested in you, but he's just a little shy, you know, and then that kind of facilitates more flirting between the two of them at some point later on. And it's great because at these uh at these bigger events where there's so many people and you're meeting so many people you want to be able to ha- get to know people and have these conversations so if you put it out there that we're interested then you can go back to your partner oh these people are interested when we go back to the party later tonight like let's try to get to know them better yeah let's and ask them to dinner or something then it can really feel right when you actually play yeah and it's more organic because everyone just had a chance to feel it out and and be friends and chit chat and get to know each other better plus i love that these events are multi-day events it just gets that demisexual side out more, I guess. Well, so when you don't have that, like if we go to NSFW, which is the sex club in New York that we like to go to, you know, I I do like to get there earlier rather than later, especially if it's just me and Jake going and we want to meet other people. You know, they have the classic, you know, sexy Jenga icebreaker and stuff. So you can talk to people there and you can talk to people at the bar. Like I like easing into the night so that you can make those connections and there's not that pressure of like, basically, do you want to play with me and my partner or not? You know, it's like, hey, we're interested. And then you can loop back around later on in the evening. Yeah. I like going early too. And then I also feel like I have a different mindset going into a multi-day event versus a single night event where I tend to be a little less uh, reliant on conversation and getting to know somebody. And then I let my feeling and sexual drive and sexual attraction, attraction drive me more because odds are I may not see that person ever again, or maybe we'll exchange numbers, but generally you're not allowed to have phones in the space. So like I sometimes don't remember to connect with people on the way out and I miss those, those connections. So for me, I think I go in with a different mindset of like, okay, tonight's the night who, who, who am I five been with? And let's see where the sexual energy takes me. Well, and then thinking of the theme of like fantasies and realizing fantasies, we know I have this fantasy of like fucking a stranger, never talking to them, (laughs) never exchanging names, really fucking hard for me to do. But hearing you say that going into a night where you might never see someone again, that really facilitates that kind of fantasy coming alive because you're right there are no phones Mm -hmm. you know it's dark when there's a lot of people there it can just be like arms and limbs and yumminess you know yeah Uh I forgot that was one of your fantasies I already thought of I have a good idea we could Elle and I the next time we're at an event like that Elle and I can vet someone for you. So you'll feel more comfortable because Elle and I will vet them on, you know, everything, conversation, intelligence, physical attractiveness, everything. And then we'll come up to you and we'll say, hey, so-and-so is going to take you to his room and you're going to go and you're going to have fun and you're (laughs) never going to see them until that very moment. But you'll feel a little bit more comfortable because they're not 
completely random. Yeah. Yes. We can curate this. That's perfect. And this is exactly what we've been talking about coming into this conversation. It's like, you know, facilitating your friends' fantasies and making them come alive. <laughs> and like, how can we make this work? And I love that. I'm it also is definitely of- a top kink of mine. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm thinking of also um the Halloween uh, fantasy that I didn't even know that I had that ended up being just so fucking erotic. And I think you were there for that. You were touching me when I had um, the blindfold on and Jess was was doing the impact play. Mm. And like you and Leah, I think were touching me at different points. And that was so fucking hot. So then I come back from that and me, Jay, Holly, and the builder had a really great foursome because the builder was just like randomly in town a couple weeks ago. And I was like, high off of having this sensory deprivation experience. And I was like, Holly, you need to have that. So we ended up actually not ended up. I made shit happen. Cause again, it's like friends catching up. Fire starter. Yeah. How are we going to start the fire? And I was basically like, Holly, I'm putting a blindfold on you and we're going to play guess who's going down on you. And so all three of us took turns and she had to guess who was who. And she did have a little bit of trouble, but not as much trouble as I have with telling Ace and Jay apart. But but yeah. Uh, So, you know, facilitating a fantasy that she didn't even know that she had. And it was so fun to do that. And making it goal-oriented where like, I kind of had that as a major takeaway from that foursome. I was like, wow, I got that started because I was putting the focus on somebody else and providing a fantasy situation for them. And then it just naturally flowed into more sexual stuff. And it just, it's a really great way to have that goal orientedness, but then flow naturally. (sighs) I, I love this group of best friends. We just take such good care of so each good. other. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like, I like finding out from friends what their fantasies are to see if I could possibly help make them a reality. But then also when you have a fantasy or you have a fantasy recently come true, maybe a fantasy you didn't even know was a fantasy of yours. And it was so awesome. And you're like, I have a friend who would also love this. Making that happen for that friend is equally as pleasurable. Yeah. Yes. Well, I I cannot say it enough. Like, have you guys had sensory deprivation play? I have once. Yeah, once or twice. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. would you like me to facilitate this for you? Like, who's going down on me? (laughs) And you have to guess. I love it. Yeah. I yeah, love, I I love relinquishing fun. all control like that. Um, it's it's not something, it's not super easy, but when you're comfortable with everyone there and you're like, I'm going to put on headphones, blindfold, whatever, a full-on helmet like some of our friends, <laughs> yeah. um, which I have done before. And a just helmet? everybody... <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> how much would it like throw you that's, around that's and then you for, wouldn't knock your head? That's for when you have them on your podcast next time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, okay. Yeah. I have to figure out who that is after this conversation because yeah. I don't know about this helmet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah. I've had like certain situations where. I'll be like, oh my God, I never knew I wanted that. And that was incredible. And I'm trying to think of other situations other than this Halloween one, because I know there have been so many, but I mean, the 20 person orgy comes to mind from uh, Freaksgiving a couple of years oh, ago. Yeah. That like was I didn't know that I wanted to experience all of that sexual energy in one room together until it happened. And now I'm like, oh my God, I fantasize about that so much. That was amazing. I felt the energy, but I didn't actually know I was in a room with 20 people having sex because I was so focused on my the person I was with that it wasn't really until afterwards when everyone was talking about it did I appreciate what just happened. I agree with you. I remember I was like involved and I looked around towards the end and I was like, what the wow, there's so much happening right now. Mm. And like another fantasy that I have, I'm trying to think if I've achieved it. Oh, I had my like six person, six hand massage at our Hose and Hoboken party. Uh, but I would like to make that sexual. So I have like half of it achieved, but I feel like a, a desire for the future and a fantasy for the future is I remember watching this porn years and years ago with my first boyfriend and there were just hands all over this woman. And I think I've shared my like kind of Khaleesi, like, uh, Misa, Misa, <laughs> like I'm on top of the pyramid in Marine and like everyone's just like in service of my orgasm. That is a fantasy that I have for the future that I'd like to come true. But I think to your point, Brandy, I could only let go and have that happen if it's with people that I love and trust and really feel comfortable kind of like, you know, doing a little bit of sensory deprivation and just like letting everyone kind of have their way with me. So I'd love to kind of wrap this up with you guys also sharing some future fantasies that you have not yet fulfilled. I often have this fantasy of me being one of the dicks or people in a gangbang and the person of center of attention could be male or female. It doesn't matter to me, but there's definitely at least five people involved and I'm one of them. And I like to dirty talk and be involved and direct and give that person exactly what they want. And there's definitely a handful of people that I know that really want a gangbang. And so I'd like to be the giver in, in a gangbang. Well, that was going to be facilitated last year at Hito, right? But it just didn't end up happening yeah. for Savannah. Yeah, I dropped the ball on that one. I just It didn't <sighs> organically flow for me to lead it. But you're right. It was supposed to happen then. It is. It's like this mixture of organic flow and intention. But mm -hmm. you can't force it. If it's exactly. not meant to happen at that time, cool. It's meant to happen at another time. Yeah, exactly. Brandy? Well, the only fantasy I can think of that I haven't done is a gangbang. 
so perhaps L can be a facilitator of my gangbang. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, I've, I've, there's been moments where I thought maybe there was an opportunity for it, but I really wanted it to be feel right and be organic. Um, and I guess even though it's a fantasy of mine that I haven't done, I haven't done that much to make it, make it happen. Um, so it's probably not as pressing. So I would say some of the things that I really, really like that I don't get to do very often still remain fantasies. Cause I think you can still have fantasies even if you've done them before. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Well, on that note, actually, I do also want to go through us and say, what are some fantasies that have kind of come th- come true for you that you would like to happen again? Something that does come to mind now that I'm thinking about it, when I had a threesome with the bouncer and Jay, it was my first time having a threesome, like a proper... MFM threesome where it was just like me and two dudes in a room and like two straight dudes in a room all about me, you know, and that is always a fantasy for me. I would love to continue that forever. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to piggyback off that one and say, I would like to have another male, male threesome, but a bi male threesome where- Mm everybody is free flowing and having fun. And I've had a couple of those experiences and I would like another one shortly. (laughs) It's so sexy because there's no boundaries between anyone and everyone can just touch and suck and lick. mm, mm, Mm -hmm. mm. Exactly. Yeah. I I wanted an MFM for a very, very long time and finally had that with my partner and another friend. And then after that experience, I wanted an MMF. And it took me a long time to finally have one. And I definitely want more, as Elle said. Um, That will always be a fantasy for me. It's just, it's so naughty. Yeah. It's like a taboo of it, you know? Yeah, exactly. For some reason it's, it has that. And it's just so free and it's just so hot, like too masculine males kissing is the hottest thing for me. (laughs) I just like seeing them suck each other's dicks. Um, I also in that in that BDSM space, I also really like pet play and being being people's kitties, being someone's kitties, which I've also had that experience with Elle and it was amazing. And I told her this and I wasn't kidding that I could seriously have gone home with her and been her pet for a whole week. I would have lived at her house and been an actual kitty in her house. I wouldn't have broken character. I love role playing. So I, I can I can carry on a scene for as long as other people will let me. See, I find that difficult. I, I, I when it flows, it flows. Like I remember walking her around on a leash and I was introducing her to people. At one point I had like some yarn and I was having her play with yarn, but I was putting the yarn on all the guys' dicks. So then she was like patting and swatting on all the dicks that were there. Oh and, my God. And then they were, they were joining it on too. Like, Oh, look at this little kitty, you know? Uh, <laughs> it was I so, love that. Yeah. She was my little cat for the night. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I would also like to 
have more experience being the dom, not only for my own relationship, but um, because I think that when you're a dom and you have sub experience, you're a better dom and vice versa as well to, to have both sides. I have a girlfriend who used to date a dom. So she, even though she was a sub, she had a lot of experience and her and I dommed DJ together. And it was so great to learn from her who learned from a dom and to just continue educating myself in this space. I have a bunch of books that I've been reading and it's just really great to learn more about it too experience practice makes perfect in all of these scenarios you could i mean that's the thing you could read about it all day long you could watch videos all day long and this is what physics physics was saying in the last podcast was you just got to do it you got to practice it you got to be in it you got to experience it mm-hmm. so all right to 2024 i think we just got my my new goals for 2024 is more bdsm stuff leaving the year of anal behind entering the year of bdsm <laughs> oh my god how's that going <laughs> Hey, I did anal two weeks ago, so we're good. Good job. <laughs> Second sphincter, baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. I was just like reflecting on the uh, New Year's intentions and fuck it lists that we had set at the beginning of the year. And I'm like, oh, God, I still haven't done DP. <laughs> oh, my God. That's right. All right. Well, the year's not over yet, so we're all going to be together in a couple weeks. So... I did do DVP uh, for a second time on Friday with Ace and Jay. That was a challenge, ladies. Oh, I bet. With the two of them? Oh, gosh. Again, the same as the last time I did it. I was like, okay, did we do it? Okay. Okay, get out. Get out. (laughs) It counts. It counts. It counts. It counts. Well, Brandy, thank you so much for, you know, just sharing all these little stories. Loved hearing about the fetish ball and your BDSM experiences and the journey through sex. So, And I love when you're my little fire starter. <laughs> now I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, everybody, if you want to join in on this conversation, you can send us an email at girlsgondeep at gmail.com. And our Instagram is girlsgondeeppod. And thank you to our sponsors, Horrible Life. Uh, it's a card game of Have You Ever All Things Sex and Cake. You can get 10% off your first deck with code Gone Deep. And thank you for bearing in with my stuffy nose conversation. Tone. <laughs> and just a reminder for the month of December, we will be re releasing some old episodes that need a little more love. So uh, we highly recommend going back and uh, listening to those as yeah. they come into your automatic downloads because I know you guys all went into Spotify (laughs) and Apple Music and have them auto download now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, But so happy holidays to everybody. Hope Mm -hmm. you guys stay sexy and we will see you in the new year. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Elle. And I'm Faye. And thank you, Brandy. Thank you, ladies. (laughs) Bye, ladies.